passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back here on post-wrestling going into a huge weekend in Montreal. And as Wei Ting told me, there was no person better suited for us <laughs> to bring on this week than the man himself, the mayor of Montreal, the emperor of Electric Avenue, <laughs> Pat LaFraud, who is with us, noted historian, author, media mogul himself, and the man that, I mean, with all due respect to our subject matter today, the real king of Montreal wrestling himself. Pat My LeFrog. gosh, what an introduction. I mean, remind me to send you a PayPal or something because, uh, geez, thank you, John. Uh, happy to be back on the show. Well, I really wanted to have you on this week because this is one where as soon as this was announced for Montreal and you saw where the story was going with the bloodline, it just suddenly became a destination event that you knew this was going to be a really big show. And they're putting together, to me, the ultimate main event for the market, but not specifically to the market. This has uh, worldwide interest with the intrigue of the bloodline and just days out from Elimination Chamber, Pat. I mean, you have covered it all. I mean, tell me a bit about just the buzz you sense within the city. Like this feels like this is going to be a major milestone in Montreal history. This actually feels like our own version of WrestleMania. And, and, and I, I want to explain myself here because there's, first of all, there's two shows in two nights. So that's that. Uh, uh, Thursday night, The Undertaker was in town for his, uh, for his show, for his uh, one dead man show. Uh, there's a superstore uh, downtown, a huge superstore. I was there and, uh, I, I went there. There's a wide varieties of, uh, of t-shirts and hockey jerseys. I tweeted about it. I mean, they're really, really, uh, done it all with, with, with this pay-per-view, this, this PLE. And, uh, uh, there's like a lot of t-shirts in collaboration with the Montreal Canadians as well. So that's, that's a huge thing. Very uh, smart tie-in that they've been doing in a lot of markets, but this, like th those, those shirts are going to go like they're pairing up Owens and Zane with Montreal Canadians, yeah. uh, merchandise. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant marketing the, idea. There's one, there's one that says honorary ab. <laughs> You know, because the Montreal Canadiens are nicknamed the Abs. So, I mean, that's that's just awesome. So, so it really feels like something that I on a on a different scale, but at the same time, it does feel like there's like events for like three nights in a row, a superstore downtown. This is the kind of things that you see on a big WrestleMania weekend. So, it it, it really feels like our own version of it, and it's definitely uh, the 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 biggest wrestling weekend in town in i want to say 25 years since the since the screw job and actually they are they are selling a t-shirt of the survivor series of 97 i didn't see any from breaking point though but uh, of 2009 <laughs> 
But well, uh, yeah, much like the theme of Breaking Point, I'm ready to submit to Survivor Series 97 and constantly <laughs> uh, bringing us back to that event. But, you know, I, I would argue that certainly within the industry going into that Survivor Series, there was all the speculation with Brett. But I feel like just from a pure promotional standpoint like I, I i feel this is this has got to be uh, among the biggest shows of even going beyond uh 97 if if you I had agree. to uh dial things back like this is going to be it's going to be completely sold out at the bell center if we're putting this in a different generation in a mm-hmm. jerry park uh pat i mean <laughs> what what do you think would have been like the upper bound limit of what this show could draw with the uh, with the hometown hero going for the WWE championship. And I think the worldwide audience is going to get a sense of just how important that baby face in a market like Montreal means that I I don't know if people in like the U S even understand that importance. Oh, no one understands that besides, you know, uh, people in the province of Quebec, because we have, and you know that John, we have a different relation with our, uh, with our stars, whether it's in wrestling or in any other form of sports or entertainment, we really, really are behind, you know, people representing, uh, province of Quebec and, and, and Montrealers and, and all that. So, uh, you, you, you've been to a few UFC in Montreal when George Champierre was, was here, especially the night he won the, uh, uh, the belt. I mean, that was one of the loudest. Uh, reaction I've ever heard, loudest pop I ever heard in 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 uh, in an arena. So uh, I don't want to say that it's going to be louder than GSP, but it's certainly going to be along those lines. I'm expecting a really really huge pop for Sammy, and it's just amazing that. Um, I mean, there's both Kevin and Sammy, right? I mean, you cannot talk about one without naming the other. Uh, and this weekend is all about Sammy. Uh, he's, he's the man of the hour and, and I'm so happy for him because, um, Kevin has been maybe a little bit more known in Quebec because of, I'm, ge- I'm guessing the universal championship that he, that he won a, a few years ago. He did a few more media because of that. So it's a, it's a, it's a name that, that, uh, Quebecers know maybe a little better than Sami Zayn and Sami Zayn doesn't really sound, you know, French Canadian at all, you know, so, um, but now it's really like people are discovering who Sami Zayn is. It's really is weekend. And if you look at you know how they, they, they book stuff, there's I mean Kevin Owens is nowhere to be seen. You know, it's really all all the lights on Sammy. Uh you know, he was at a Montreal Canadian game uh earlier this week. Uh it's his weekend, he's he's everywhere. There was a huge lineup for him at the superstore downtown on Thursday. Uh, I mean, th- this is just amazing what they did. And and uh, especially with the with the storyline of you know, probably one of the best storylines WWE did in a very long time. Yeah. It, it, if you're going to go back to 97, it's really reminiscent of that Canadian stampede show and just like yep. the hearts back home in Calgary. A very similar feel. I want to go back to uh, the, the beginning and how early uh, a young Sami Zayn uh, was on your radar. And did you get to experience Stevie McFly? Oh, of course. I, I, I have seen um, Sami's second match ever. So I wasn't there for his very first match. Not a lot of people was there, actually. Maybe, uh, I don't know, a few, a few dozens. Uh, but on his second match ever, it was at FLQ from uh, uh, a promotion ran, ran by uh, Paul LeDuc. 
the all time uh, the, the all time great Paul Leduc, and um, he was actually Stevie McFly. He was wrestling with his uh, bowling shoes on at the time. <laughs> I mean, everyone was laughing at that. Everyone was laughing because, you know, here comes this skinny guy, red hair guy with his bowling shoes. Who, who, you could see was athletic and everything. But at the time, we didn't really know what he would become. If I want to compare that to a young Kevin Steen, you know, it was it was totally different because Kevin, we knew from the from the start that he had something special. Uh, Sammy, it, it was different. It was it was really when El Generico began began to uh, to click that 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 we put two and two together. We're like, okay, he, he's 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 athletic, he's he's awesome in the ring, and now he has the gimmick to 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 make waves and go somewhere. Uh, I was there too. I was there for his very first El Generico match. Um, so so uh, and it's funny because. Uh, uh, a friend of, of him and I, uh, he's a teacher, but he used to be a wrestler. And he texted me yesterday and said, hey, you know what? Sammy and two other people from WWE will be, will, will be coming to my school, uh, by the end of the week to talk with the children and everything. He said, he said, how crazy is that? You know, I said, geez, wow. he, he was the very first guy to wrestle El Generico. It, it was the, the El Generico gimmick was for this wrestler. He was, he was named TNT. The, 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 the local wrestler, his name was TNT. He was kind of an old school guy. And the, the, the gimmick of El Generico was created to give him an opponent that was totally different than he usually uh, faced. It was just supposed to be one night. The, the, there was no, there was nothing like plan in advance. He had a cape. Uh, Sammy had a cape from another wrestler named Steve Royds. And yes, the name Royds was because of what you think. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Lufisto was backstage and she wrote like Ole on his, on his chest, on his belly or something oh. on his back. I mean, it was a group effort. I mean, this, this El Generico was not meant to happen. And it happened, and he, 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 Sammy improvised with the Ole and all that, and it really clicked. And, you know, here we are 20 years later with, uh, with him main eventing the Bell Center. And did something click that led to him continuing with, with, with Generico? He, what, why did he continue with it? He tried so hard, so hard to have any other gimmick than El Generico. He didn't want to be El Generico. He, 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 that, he, he kept, he kept doing Stevie McFly in some, uh, in some other promotions. Uh, at one point he was named Big Larry. Um, so they were like a, a trio of wrestlers. There was, I don't know if you remember a, a guy named Beef Wellington. Yes. He, he, he worked CZW and, and Jersey all throughout the time. So Beef was, um, oh my gosh, uh, was Dollar Bill. Uh, him, uh, Sammy was Big Larry, and it was a French guy who was named French Fry, not fries, Fry. And, and they were like hip hop guys or trying to be three white dudes, trying to be uh, cool and, and hip and, and, you know, coming to big gangster music and all that. It's very close to what Sammy did when he was trying to be friends with the, with, with the bloodline. I mean, that was the closest thing that he ever did to a Big Larry gimmick. Uh, so he, he tried different things, but at one point, 
there were too many requests for Al Generico and he had started doing it in the States and all that. And, and I mean, before he get, he got to WWE, he had wrestled in Al Generico in 29 different countries. That's, that's, that's amazing when you think about it. So, so, uh, he, he really fought for, uh, against it, but at, at one point, you just realize, okay, maybe, maybe I have something here that I should, I, I should keep going with. And, and, uh, I think he, 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 ta- he took the right, uh, the right decision there. Yeah. And it's, it's that probably the earliest example of maybe taking something that's not his first choice, but going forward with, how can I make this the best thing it can be? And, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the surface, you hear the name El Generico. Like, it sounds like a <laughs> terrible name. It and is. yet it's it, for those that followed his career, like the name did not did not prohibit him from having great success. And working under the mask was probably something that had great effect, like later on that he has even talked about, like all wrestlers should experience that working underneath the mask. Yeah, I remember there were one, one guy who uh who told me a, a worker in Quebec who said that uh, Generico uh, didn't have any charisma and that's why he was wrestling under a hood. And I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. You, you, I mean, you just don't know the guy. And and my gosh, did he prove that guy wrong ever since, right? I, I mean, he really embraced the gimmick. I, when he accepted it, he really embraced it in the sense that um, he, uh, he didn't, he, he, he talked to fans with a broken English, uh, throwing a few Spanish words here and there. Uh, and, uh, you know, that old, you know, Tijuana thing and, and, and going back there for, for the, or, you know, for, to run orphans and to, to this day. And, and this is kind of amazing, but to this day, you will never hear Sami Zayn say that he, was El Generico. He's been extremely, uh, he, he you know, will talk about him being in Ring of Honor and him being and on the Indies and, and, you know, he will, he will talk about all of that without ever saying I was El Generico. And I remember him telling me when he, he, he first got to WWE that he wanted to do that because, uh, cause he, he, he gave me permission to say he was El Generico. He said, you can say whatever you want, Pat. But I will never ever admit that I was El Generico. And and his 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 train of thoughts was if I ever go back to the Indies, I can always use that and 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 make something out of it and, and bring back Generico. I, I I didn't think you know, and we had first we, we first had that talk in 2013, right? I didn't think that he was still gonna be in WWE 10 years later. I don't know. I mean, 10 years is a long career, John, in, in WWE, right? So, so I, I didn't, I, I don't know um, how much he, he knew he was going to be there 10 years later. So his, his, his thinking was like, well, you know, if I'm only here for four or five years and go back to the Indies, I can always use that now. I don't know if, if it would be the same thing. And who knows if we'll ever go back to the Indies, you know? So, uh, uh, but, but probably, he, he, he would need to be on mass, but he, he could do both gimmicks if he ever uh, need to. But yeah, so it's, it's just funny how he, uh, I mean, even Kevin Owens, you know, uh, embraced that too. You know, when, when, uh, when I, I talked to Kevin for, for a formal interview on TVA sports and we asked him what happened with Al Generico, he simply said, you didn't know he died. <laughs> I said, what? 
<laughs> what? So, so it's it's just you know, like a, a funny thing now to 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 uh, talk about that. But uh, Steve yeah. Austin also learned about this uh, through through Kevin Owens as well. <laughs> a great moment if you go back to an old interview uh, with with That's Kevin right. Steen and uh, Steve Austin, where uh, Steve Austin <laughs> learned about how young this guy. Uh, Called it a career uh, way, way, way back, uh, exactly. you know, Jederico. But on on the subject uh, of Steen, so it's it's about a year and a half that they first cross paths. And is this when Steen is still w- w- with Jacques, or is this when he sort of made the separation from Jacques around two thousand three ish? Um, he, he was, uh, he was still for Jacques, but Jacques gave them permission, gave his students permission to go and wrestle elsewhere. I want to say in the summer of 2003. Okay. And that's when Kevin started working IWS. Uh, he started in September of 2003. So that's why he, that, that's when he, he, uh, he started, uh, uh, befriending, uh, Sammy and, um, and it's so hard for me to call him Sammy, by the way, because you, yeah. you know, you know, his real name is Rami, and it's so close to Sammy. I never call him Sammy, but, anyways, uh, so, so it's. I mean, that's when he had his first match with him. Um, I want to say in the fall of 2003, I think their first match was. I remember there was a big three-way between him, uh, Generico, and PCO in IWS. That was like match of the year in in Quebec. And, uh, but then, uh, Jacques had a show in December of 2003 and he asked his students to, uh, to come back for him and to stop wrestling elsewhere. But Kevin wanted to do both. And that's when the split with Jacques happened. And, and, and there was, at the time, there was like, Jacques was promising, uh, two of his students to, to get a dark match. Uh, next time WWE was going to be in town. It actually happened. Uh, but, uh, but, but I mean, for whatever reasons, those, you know, the two guys who, who, who did that match never uh, left the, uh, the indie scene. And Kevin just, you know, uh, started working the indies in the US and, you know, the rest is history. But, uh, yeah, it was a, Kevin had started in, in, the year 2000, I believe. So he was three years in when he started doing IWS and Sammy had started in 2002. So he was about a year and a half in when he, uh, when he met Kevin. And this is where, you know, they're certainly gaining some buzz uh, in Quebec, but it's, it's, would you say it's, it's the PWG booking that suddenly you're starting to see their names pop up in newsletters or that they're, what was that considered the big break for them? Or is that further down with Ring of Honor, you would say? Um, depending on, on, depending on, on what you call, uh, being recognized and all that, you know, Meltzer probably started talking about them with Ring of Honor because he wasn't going to PWG at the time. Yeah. Uh, but in Quebec, it's really a match. I mean, we, 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 we knew Kevin was special. Uh, even when he was working for Jacques, they were like, the people who were covering Jacques was telling the people who weren't, there was just one name that they, they were mentioning us and it was, it was Kevin Steen. And he had a few matches, uh, before, um, uh, 2004 that, that really made the people were, were like, Oh wow. Okay. The, he is, he is something. But the, the first big match he had, big, big match he had was in 2004 in Quebec City for EWR. And it was against Christopher Daniels. Mm-hmm. You got to understand that at the time, the territory wasn't really open. Um, 
people in workers in Quebec really didn't really go and work in the US. There were like no big indie stars coming, uh, coming to Montreal either. I mean, except for a short association between CZW and IWS at the time that, uh, my gosh, Lobo and Justice Payne were working there, you know, so. Uh, it wasn't the same thing as a Christopher Daniels or an AJ Styles, you know, and, and, and Kevin started getting booked against all of these big names because everybody wanted to match Kevin with somebody. So there was like Steve Carino against Kevin Steen and, and, and Samoa Joe against Kevin Steen and, uh, AJ Styles and Excess against Kevin Steen and Christopher Daniels and, and all. You know, all that. So it was really, uh, and then Generico was, was part of the mix as well. And, and at the, in the fall of 2004, that's when they made their US debut in CZW alongside, uh, Excess and Sexy Eddie. Because you got to remember that in the summer of 2004, Sexy Eddie was, uh, doing the tournament of death in CZW and he had a cut on his arm. And he was like pissing blood, like, like if it was like a fun thing, you know, it was crazy. And I don't know what happened in his head, but he, he, he did a stunt and started to flex his arm and drinking his own blood. I mean, if it was today, it would have been like viral, but it was viral for its day. And CZW wanted to bring back Eddie and they wanted you know, three other guys from, from the IWS to come with and, and do a match. And my gosh, it was CZW's match of the year that year. So, uh, and, and in that, sh on that show, uh, Super Dragon was there and Super Dragon was also there, uh, in, um, in Jersey All Pro the weekend after. And Kevin and, and Generico was there as well. And I think Beef and Eddie too. And then he, he, he spoke to, to, to Kevin and, and Generico and was like, Hey, uh, would you like to, uh, to come to, uh, to PWG? And, and they were supposed to tag together, but something happened with the team they were going to face and they ended up working another. Uh, and, uh, that, that's when it started. And PWG was really important for them because when the first time they got to Ring of Honor they didn't work, uh, they went back to PWG and really, really made a name for themselves even more, uh, this, you know, after the, the first stint in Ring of Honor. Uh, that, that, that's exactly what allowed them to go back to Ring of Honor, uh, a few years after. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, depending on, you know, what you considered, uh, recognized and everything. I mean, the indie people knew about them before the newsletter maybe started talking about them. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, that was so much of the, of the game at this point. Like you, you remember, like this is 2004, 2005. Uh, Facebook is not really a thing. This is pre Twitter. It was trying to get, uh, notoriety for yourself so that you can, we're going to fly you in and hopefully you can make that back in tape sales for us and being unique in how you could create buzz for yourself, uh, whether it be online or just, you know, names getting around and getting in front of the right eyeballs. But it was a totally different game. Plus, you had the caveat that here are Canadians that, you know, it's 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 tough for Canadians to mm -hmm. get down to the U.S. and uh, independent promotions that are going to go above and beyond to, you know, for two flights from, from Canada, like you really had to earn your worth. It was a totally different landscape. I, I remember Kevin telling me that him and, and, and Sammy 
actually went to Ring of Honor uh, to meet Gabe Sapolsky to bring an actual tape of their matches to wow. be booked. It was yeah. at that time where tape, like VHS tape, still existed. You know, that's why that's it was not even a DVD. You know, it was really a tape. Um, and yeah, it, it's harder for Canadians because of, of obviously because the in the U.S. you're not supposed to work there without any visa or, or 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 permit or anything so the first and maybe i shouldn't say that but the first few years that kevin and 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 generico work in the u.s i mean they were doing it like illegally and and like any other canadian who tried to go to the u.s for the first few times uh they were lucky because you know if you remember mike bailey didn't have that chance uh six years ago nicole matthews down in in bc didn't have that chance right uh, probably the only time she crossed the border driving so so they were really lucky that you know they were always able to go there and I remember one story uh, I was I was with them. I was probably driving. Yeah, I was driving. So there's me. Listen to this. Listen to this. There's a car with. There's an Honda Civic. My Honda Civic. Four doors. Okay, nothing <laughs> special. So there's me, Frankie the Mobster, um, Kevin Owens, El Generico, and Lufisto, all in one car. We're going to Philly for CZW. And we're at the borders, and I'm driving, and Sammy is right behind me. So the border agent just asked us to open the windows, and he goes, what's going to be, you know, where are you going, and, you know, why, what was the purpose? And and we always said that, you know, we're going to uh, to see a wrestling show, and that, you know, we're going to just do the practice and, you know, and just the kind of a seminar or something, nothing that would mention that they were actually working or getting any kind of compensation for what they were doing, you know? So it was training. It was always something along those lines. So we say that, and the guy looks at, <laughs> at Sammy <laughs> in the back, you know, and he goes, you're a wrestler wow <laughs> and and sammy just answered him well i'm trying to <laughs> and <laughs> the, the agent started laughing and he gave us all all our passports back and he was like well good luck with that and he let us go and i was like it was like remy Every time we're crossing the borders from now on, you have to sit behind me so the border agent can actually talk to you. Because, <laughs> because wow. I mean, this, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was not the biggest, right? And I had Frankie the mobster in the front seat next to me, who does look like he what, passes uh, the airport test, as they say. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, he looks like what a, a normal person would 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 see in a in a professional wrestler. You know, so it was it was just the funniest. Wow. Well, uh, may, maybe if that border agent has a uh, has photographic memory, uh, this weekend might be a, a wake up call. If, if but, but you have no following. idea how it was. It was just uh, for us a relief when they started getting uh, the right permits with Ring of Honor because. Uh, at the time, uh, they could actually not only cross the borders, but actually bring merch with them and all that. And they were allowed to do so, you know, so it was it was just uh, 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 it was a weight less on our shoulders, you know, and no stress at all when we were crossing the borders. But, hey, I mean, everybody was doing it and everybody is still doing it. If you want to if you want to make your a name in the States, that's the only way to actually start. There's no it's other way. 
it's if it's really the only option. Like you're not you're not going to create that interest for yourself staying in Canada. Like it's just and, this this country is not set up for that kind of you know independence scene. It's just like there's pockets of the country, but you know you want to break through. It's it's going to be with the, with the bigger indies uh, south of the border. And no one will give you will pay a few thousand dollars for a permit without you being a name of some sort. So so it, it's a catch twenty two. You know you cannot go to the states, but no one will bring you in if you don't already go. And uh, it's 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 uh, it's sad, but that's that's the reality of uh, uh, Canadian uh, Canadian wrestling and Canadian wrestlers. Yeah, it, it is. When you see Canadians on national television with big promotions, they they have gone through the grinder oh, yeah. to get to that point in, yeah, in their careers. I do agree. You know, with, with with Generico, I think it's you know this is almost like a post territorial era of pro wrestling, but. Of the modern scene, I mean, he has such an eclectic, like you mentioned the international experience. And I think from DDT and Dragon Gate mixed in with Chikara, like he learned from every corner of the world that I think he took pieces from all of this that these guys, when they showed up at the doorstep at a Ring of Honor or later a WWE, they had so much experience in all of these situations that they're so much more equipped to to deal with what whatever direction their their character might go. Yeah, they, they were able to work with different people, different workers, different bookers, uh, learning what to do, what not to do. Uh, so, so you know, when you spend 15 years on the Indies or, or 13, 14 years like, like him and, and Kevin did, uh, you get to WWE or to NXT and you already have a life, long time of, of experience that someone who actually wasn't on the indie scene and just, you know, was brought in from uh, football or any other sports, uh, they actually, uh, they actually don't have that experience. And, and you actually see this even more when, when people are actually leaving WWE. Cause uh, let's say, let's say, for example, someone who's been on the Indies forever, uh, as a three, four year stint in WWE or NXT. When they go back to the Indies, they know how it works. They know what to charge. They know, they know all that. When someone like Braun Strowman or, or Nia Jax are going, are, are leaving WWE, they've never done Indies. There's, uh, more often than not, they're going to overprice themselves because they don't know the market. They don't know. Uh, they, they think there's like, they're, you know, these big superstars and they can ask $20,000 for a booking, which is not the reality of independent wrestling, you know? So, so you see also that when they go back to, uh, uh, to the Indies. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they come with, uh, a lot of experience. Uh, working the, and I mean, even Kevin said in an interview is that he really learned more about wrestling when he started working in the States and working people better than him and those Daniels and Styles and all those guys than, you know, what, what he did in, in training here, you know, even when he was, um, you know, the first few years when everybody wanted to book Kevin here, he, he, he said it himself, you know, he became a much better wrestler by uh, working those guys uh, elsewhere around, around the world. 
I want to ask about a match that you were there live for. It was a final battle, 2012. It's the it's the blow off between Steen and Generico with the ladder war, and it is Generico's send off as he is going off to uh, off to the orphanage, and then in his uh, in his wake would be his uh, his living half that would be going to WWE. What are you thinking on that night? Number one, I'm sure you're you're very proud of these two. They're headlining a major ROH show, but are you looking at this as this is Generico's ticket to the next level, or are you believing that you know there's a very good chance he'll be back here in in a couple of years' time? What are you thinking at that point? Where this is not the current uh, like even NXT of a few years later, where that pathway was a bit clearer. Like this was the great unknown of WWE and someone of his stature. I actually was thinking, I, I couldn't still believe it. You know, it, it was like a few years before that, Kevin and, and, and Sammy would have never gotten a look, no. you know? And, and now here he is having a WWE contract. And it was funny because he was actually telling us about, you know, how it, 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 it was and how he couldn't even believe himself when he got the contract signed by Paul Levesque and, and that he had to put his own signature on that. You know, it was still crazy for him. And he was telling us about, you know, how it happened and, you know, everything that, that went on, you know, and, and all that. So it was, it was a fun ride going to, I think it was New York uh, for yeah. Final Battle. So uh, it was a very fun ride. And I was like, well, this is kind of, you know, the end of an era, you know, and, and we'll never see Al Generico against Kevin Steen anymore. So, so it was kind of sad in, in, in a way, cause I've been, I've been with those guys, uh, you know, traveling with, with, with those two and, and talking to them all the time. And I've been there for, you know, I've seen, I've said it many times, but I've seen them in front of 90 people and, 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 you know, pool like like very shitty bars in in Montreal, and and I've seen them at the at that point. You know, main eventing Ring of Honor, and 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 uh, it was just like when when he made it, it was like okay, maybe you know, s- s- one of us has. And I don't want to include myself in this. You know, it was more about the workers, and it was it was more about him and Kevin. But it was like okay, finally, one of them is making it. And and then I think Kevin really realized, okay, there's a good chance I might be the next one. Because before that, you never know. Because they didn't have the, the look, they didn't have the size that WWE was looking at the time. And and uh, that was what? That was December of 2012. And Kevin got signed. Well, he made his debut in August. He got signed a, a, a few months earlier than that. So maybe, you know, two years and, and a half or something. Uh, after that, Kevin got signed, you know, but at the time, I remember thinking that it was really like the end of an era and nothing would be the same anymore with only one of them on the Indies. And I was just from that point on, from that point on, I was just rooting for Kevin to be signed as well. You know, what did you think about the, your first impressions of uh, him unmasked and with the new name in NXT? Um, well, unmasked, I wasn't unfamiliar with him without a mask. You know, I've seen him more times than not without a mask. Uh, and I've seen him wrestle without a mask. So I knew, I knew that I knew ahead of time that he wouldn't go for a mask thing 
that was clear in his head and I think in, in the hunter's head as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the name, the name is always a long process and a weird process. So a lot of name has been, you know, thrown out. And I, I, I used to have like a, a short list of, of other names that they were thinking about. I don't have it anymore, I think, but uh, I mean, Sammy, Rami was like close enough that it was like, okay, that's, that's cool, you know, and, and Zane, I didn't mind. Actually, I didn't mind. It was like SZ. There was something there. Styles, you know, with, with, with on, on his, on his, uh, on his, uh, trunks or something. So there was something to do that. I mean, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's a catchy name, you know, not really hard to, uh, to, 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 to remember. So, uh, uh, I was I was I was fine with. I, I remember seeing the other names like okay, this one this one is is much better. Uh, we we, uh, we won't keep you too much longer, Pat. This has been excellent to just kind of go through the whole chronology here. But when, when it comes to Sammy's uh, promos, like where have you seen that evolution over the years? Was there a certain turning point that that you sensed where he really started to find his voice? That that has to be in WWE though, because on the indies, because of of the generical gimmick, sure. you know, he was almost never talking. You know, I, I remember him talking, you know, years ago when when he started, and you know, with those Stevie McFly and Big Larry thing, but it was never, uh, it was never to the level of what he's doing right now. And I think he has done his best work on the mic in the past year because he was able maybe to improvise more to to talk from i don't want to say from the heart but from what he thinks should be said in this particular angle he wasn't reading at no point i felt like he was reading some some kind of a script you know so 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 i think he he had more um input in what he could actually say that's that's only my 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 opinion I'm, i don't want to say that he, he had more input but i do believe that he had more input in in all that and it it kind of showed in in the way that he, he uh he handled the, the promos and the way the way he act i knew i always knew that he was a great actor that he was because he had done improv in montreal and i knew that he could uh be quit with it and you know he could he could do a lot of stuff in in those uh regards but uh there was definitely an probably it's it's what uh he, he was already a great wrestler when he when he uh, started on NXT but the promos are probably what he improved the most uh in the past 10 years and uh to the point that now he, he has to be considered as one of uh, one of the the, the 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 very good talkers in in the industry i mean this promo with Cody Rhodes i mean if you didn't get goosebumps uh you're 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 i mean I don't know. I don't know what you're made of because even I they get goosebumps, you know. So and how fast he's transitioned from sort of being like like the comedic sidekick of the bloodline, and now he's this serious, zoned in character that you know it has a very like Mick Foley kind of vibe to it as well. And he's made that transition seamlessly. Like no one's looking at him, waiting for a punchline or doing the funny dancing. It's just he is like at the snap of the fingers, he has adjusted into this very serious threat for the title on Saturday. And it, and it has created like a ton of interest for this match Saturday and, and where you go here, like you can see what the plan is for WrestleMania, but you can also see the performances. Like to me, you have two incredible options here in Cody and Sammy. And I don't think there's a right and a wrong, but it's, 
it, it adds so much more intrigue to this match on Saturday and, and gives us some insight into how Paul Levesque is going to handle this because he's sitting on two incredibly hot baby faces. I just want to go back to one thing you said. I don't think that, you know, what we are seeing now, it was what was planned at the beginning with Sammy being in the bloodline. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we talk about how he decided to embrace the El Generico gimmick and make it work. It wasn't the first time that, you know, in his career that he had to, you know, be in a situation where he kind of had to make it work. And and that's what he did. You know, he, 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 his, talents po- his, his talents poke when he started, you know, being involved in the bloodline. And then, you know, it catch, it, it really caught on with, with the fans. And, and we are, we are what, you know, where we at, at at this point in time. Um, who would have thought six months ago that Sami Zayn would have been the biggest baby face in the company? I mean, that's, that's crazy when you think of it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, Levesque has ver- two very good options, but you know, as much as I would like to see Sami Zayn beat Roman Reign in Montreal, I mean, Cody, I mean, fits more the kind of champion they're looking for, the, 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 the type of people that can actually beat Roman Reigns. Uh, so I, I still believe that we won't see Sammy winning in Montreal. And, and I, I honestly I have no clue what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't ask questions. I don't want to know. I don't want to put these guys in a bad situation or anything. Uh, but if the rumors are true, John, I mean, they're going for the title belts, the, the, the tag team belts and, uh, in, uh, at WrestleMania against the Usos. And if, if they win the belts at WrestleMania, I mean, that's, that's something to be proud of too, you know, I mean, which, which is big enough to headline the first night. Like that oh, to me definitely. is the number two match of the weekend for, for WWE. I do agree, especially, you know, since they never main evented, uh, I mean, I don't want to say ever, but in a very long time. I mean, when, when is the last time did it ever happen? Uh, a WrestleMania main event? Headlined by uh, by a tag team match. Not uh, since I mean, the first one. Yeah, WrestleMania one. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the one. So so I mean, uh, if there if there is one tag team match that can actually main event uh, the first night, it's this match this year. Uh, so that that's not that's not too shabby, you know, when you think about it. But but you know, even if he loses. Uh, on Saturday, Montreal will be such an amazing crowd for him, and and it, it should feel special for anyone in attendance, but also watching at home. You know, I, I know how my people are, and and they're gonna be ruining for Sammy like no one before, and uh, I really expect something very very cool uh, Friday and Saturday. But hey, you know, pe- some people will get upset about Sammy not winning. Uh, but I just want something that will be logic and that will make, you know, at the end, at the end of the evening, I want Sammy to be in the ring to be able to, uh, say a few words to the crowd after and, and, you know, uh, after the pay per view and, and we'll see. But, uh, I'm expecting. If you have that closing shot, uh, like regardless of the outcome of like Sammy and Kevin embracing in the ring exactly. and setting their path for mania. That crowd's exactly. leaving very happy. I think exactly. And that's exactly. People that will forget that Sammy hasn't won the title and, and they'll move on to, uh, you know, what they want to build for WrestleMania. 
Well, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you this this weekend, Pat. Uh, this was a show I definitely, I definitely want to see in person. And uh, we want to let everybody know uh, what you and your co-host, Kevin Raphael, are doing on Saturday. You guys are doing a kind of a, a tailgate party uh, at Beer Market. So uh, let those that are in Montreal know where they can uh, stop by and catch you guys. Yeah, it's uh, on uh, at the Beer Market on René Lévesque Street, 1221 René Lévesque West. It's like three minutes walking from the Bell Center, so that's really, really near. It starts at 3.30 p.m. It's a live podcast that me and Kevin uh, are doing. It's Les Antipodes uh, de la Lutte, which is uh, pretty much uh, wrestling's opposites if you want to have a, a quick translation. So it's our regular podcast that we bring uh, for the first time in Montreal in front of a, of a live crowd. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, this, this is going to be a, a very cool uh, afternoon, you know, and, and uh, if you have nothing to do, uh, if you're in town for two nights and you have nothing to do in the afternoon of, uh, of Saturday, well, pass by, doors open at 3 p.m. It should be ending by 5, so people will have time to... Uh, have a, have a bite or have a drink prior to uh, going to the Bell Center. So uh, no worries there. We won't, uh, you, you won't miss the elimination chamber. <laughs> yes. A perfect day. You can go to beer market with Pat and Kevin, take an elimination chamber. And then how late is Electric uh, Avenue open late on a Saturday night? I mean, that, that to it me closes is... at 3 a.m. I mean, and, your, your, and your weekend is set, Pat. The, 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 the Bell Center is probably, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes walking from the Electric Avenue. You've been there, John. I have been, in fact, yes. So <laughs> there you have it. Uh, looking forward to seeing you, Pat. Uh, you can catch uh, all of his work, TVA Sports, uh, the podcast with Kevin, and uh, do check out all of his uh, fine books, Andre the Giant, Mad Dog Vachon, Mad Dogs, Midgets, and Screwjobs, uh, The History of Women's Wrestling. He's got books on hockey out there. I mean, a renaissance man. This, uh, I don't want to spoil, spoil anything, but uh, maybe there's going to be some news about a new wrestling books, uh, a new wrestling book in, in, uh, in, in uh, very, very soon. So I'll let you know when, when that, uh, when I, when I can actually uh, talk more about it. The man is also a great promoter to just keep you keep you guessing with a with a little dangle there at the end of things. Pat Laprod on Twitter, check them all out, and uh, we will be seeing you this weekend, Pat. Uh, so for Pat, I am John Pollock, and thank you for tuning in to our special look at the story of Stevie McFly. <laughs>